Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15 today. We're in a series right now called Family Matters 2. And uh, we did Family Matters 1 a few years ago. And now we're kind of revisiting Family Matters 2. So this is the ninth sermon in this series. And last week we started talking about developing a strong moral compass. And we, we talked about the one thing that was essential for that, which was establishing absolute truth in a child's life. Because in the culture and generation they live in right now, we've kind of broken that down. And <clears throat> we've, we've begun to say that truth is whatever a person says it is, which is not true, right? That's, uh, and if truth is whatever a person says it is, we kind of talked about this last week a little bit. If truth is what a person says it is, then that statement is not true. Right, because I can come along and say, "Well, that's that's your truth, but that's not true for me." So it's self-defeating. But of course, we know there's absolute truth. We know that there is right and there is wrong. You might have an opinion on whether something is right or wrong, but your opinion can be wrong and incorrect. So truth is absolute. The Bible reveals to us what that truth is. But remember, that truth already was absolute and established long before the Bible was ever written. Because God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And His, his truth has been what it is long before the earth was ever created. Long before man was ever created. Long before the Bible was ever written. God's truth was always true. The Bible came along later and wrote about it and established it. We know everything in the Bible is true. But just because, but the Bible saying it is not actually what makes it true. It was true before the Bible ever said it. Now, that may seem like a small distinction, but it's very important. Because sometimes we just tell kids, oh, well, it's true because the Bible said it. Well, that, that's partially true, but actually the Bible saying it is not what made it true. It was true before the Bible said it. And the Bible just revealed that to you. The Bible is, a, is, is revelatory. It's revelation about what truth already is. And that's a small distinction, but it's, it, it, it makes a difference how you explain this to your kids. Because sometimes the, the kids, they don't respond very well to, well, because I told you so. Actually, that can create more rebellion. Because in a smart kid, what they'll start thinking is, well, I know you told me so, but if you told me so, it still needs to make sense and there must be a reason. So explain that reason to me. And, and I was that way. I, I always, once it was logical, once it made sense, I got it. And I, and I was ready to follow it. But I told you so wasn't ever really that helpful for me. And there's a lot of kids it's not helpful for. And after being I told you so, so long, it can drive them away. Well, we can do the same thing with the Bible. We say, well, hey, is this wrong? And you say, well, yeah, because the Bible said so. Again, that's partially true. That it is wrong because the Bible said so. But guess what? It's, it's wrong apart even from the Bible because God said it was wrong. The Bible just told you what God said. Now, I know that seems like a small distinction. But for kids, and, and here's the reason why that matters, is because when something is true, which the Bible tells us that, you know, X, Y, or Z is sin. Okay, that's true, and the Bible tells us. But that can be explained even apart from the Bible because if it's wrong, then God said it was wrong for a reason. Right? He, did, he doesn't just tell us stuff is wrong for no reason. Like your car manual doesn't tell you not to put water in the gas tank for no reason. It tells you not to put water in the gas tank because it's going to cause major problems. The manual didn't make it true. It was already true. You just found out about it when you read the manual. So establishing absolute truth in the life of a kid is very important. They must understand that God's truth is absolute. His word is absolute. 
And that becomes the foundation for their moral compass. Now, what I want to talk to you about this morning is, what is it that can erode a person's moral compass? Because as parents, a lot of us understand this, and we're trying desperately to put a strong moral compass in our kids. But sometimes it feels like we're fighting a losing battle, because at the same time that we're trying to establish a strong moral compass, there are a lot of other factors that seem to be eroding away that moral compass. And sometimes the, those factors are so great that the input that you're putting in them almost seems to be ineffective because of all the other things that are eroding that moral compass. So let's talk about this this morning because I truly believe that we live in a generation right now that is one of the worst America, at least, has ever seen as far as morality goes. Uh, if you've been coming to church for a long time, I've loaded you guys down with statistics about from generation to generation, year to year, how views on morality have changed. I'm not going to hit you with those again this morning, but you know it, and you see it with your own eyes. One of the discouraging things when you look out at our nation is it seems like from decade to decade that morality is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so we're on a path, and who knows where it'll be in 20, 30, 40 years. But if you're raising kids right now in this current generation... You're facing a difficult battle because this is one of the most immoral generations that America has ever seen. And what is immorality? Well, immorality is breaking of divine law. That's what sin is. Sin is breaking of divine law. So let's look at this in Matthew 15. I want to really dive into this because, again, we're facing a big challenge if we're raising kids. All this applies to us, our own personal lives as well, what we're going to talk about this morning. But if you're raising kids, it'll help you in that department too. Matthew 15, 16. Jesus gets right down to the heart of the matter. He says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled. Strange conversation for church, I understand. But we know what he's saying here. And actually, the Pharisees were, were talking about this issue. They were telling the disciples, they were saying, you can't eat with unwashed hands. It's, it's really the equivalent of sinful. It's unclean. It makes you unholy to eat with unwashed hands. And all of these little particular things that they would do. And Jesus came and he said, look, do, do you not see the logic? Okay. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth is, uh, passes into the stomach and is expelled? In other words, eating certain things, okay, not, not eating with washed hands while it is a bad idea and might not be good. It just, it has nothing to do with holiness. It has nothing to do with holiness. And what he was explaining is what goes into the mouth is not what makes you holy or unholy. He said there's something else going on. He said, no, verse, verse 18, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. Jesus flipped the whole thing upside down. He said the Pharisees are so focused on cleaning the outside of the cup. Everything external, everything that you do that others can see, oh, you don't... You don't cuss, you don't drink, you don't get tattoos, you don't smoke, okay, you, you eat with washing. Oh, you're holy. Did you know that's not holiness? That's not holiness. Now, is it a good idea not to do some of those things? Yeah. Uh, can people use those things to sin? Yes, they can. But just cleaning the outside of the cup 
actually doesn't solve the problem. This is why salvation starts opposite. Salvation starts internally, transforms the heart. Once the heart is transformed, that salvation works its way outward. What the Pharisees were doing was trying to change the heart by changing external. The re- religion and, and what the Pharisees were doing is they were trying to change the outside of the person regardless of what their heart looks like. Their, their mindset was, we don't care what your heart looks like. We just want you to look right on the outside. You ever, you ever seen that tendency maybe in church? People show up, got their hair done, got their best clothes on, got their suit and their tie. and their, How you doing? Oh, brother, I'm good. In other words, the outside of the cup looks clean, but on the inside is rotten. That can happen. That can happen. And, what, and the way that that happens is by focusing too much on the external when you haven't actually changed the heart. So, so I say when we're going for our talking about our kids, what we're going for, we're not going for behavior modification. See, with a, with a strong enough hand, I can get you to act right. But that doesn't mean I've changed your heart. So what does that do? Well, when I, when, with a strong enough hand, I got you to do what I wanted. Well, that just means you're doing it now in my presence. But what about when you get outside of my presence? What about when you get outside of my house and you get outside of my control? It's very ineffective. We've all seen that. The person that they did all the right things, behavior modif- modification while they were in the mo- mom and dad's house, and then they go off to college and they lose their mind. Why? Because it was always in their heart. It was just suppressed, but out of fear of what their parents were going to do or how their parents would react. It was suppressed out of fear, and the moment they had some freedom, everything that was in their heart came out. So we're not just going for behavior modification. We're going for heart transformation. We want our children to have a heart transformation. Now, Jesus explains, he gives us the pathway to this. We know that true salvation is the beginning of that, right? We want our kids to be saved. We want them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want them to be baptized. We want them to encounter the love of God. We want them to to be at church and worship and hear the word. That changes a person's heart. But let's look at what else Jesus is saying here. He says, I'm going to start at the beginning again, verse 17. He said, look, whatever goes in the mouth and and passes uh, through the stomach and is expelled, that's not what matters. He said, it's what comes out of the mouth that proceeds from the heart. So we get this explanation that the heart is actually the core of mankind. And everything a person does proceeds from their heart. And here's how Jesus would say it. Every word that comes out of your mouth proceeds from what's in your heart. Poison coming out, poison in here. Rottenness coming out, rottenness in here. Anger coming out, anger in here. Lust coming out, lust in here. Now what man would have you do is just stop these behaviors and change these words. And what Jesus was saying is if you don't ever change this, you're just you're suppressing that, but eventually it's going to come out. You ever said something and you said, oh, I didn't mean that. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I said that. I, I was, just got mad and it came out. Yeah, because you got squeezed. And when that heart got squeezed, it popped out. But it was always in there. And listen, this is not me just pointing the finger at you. <laughs> oh, no. This is not me pointing the finger at you. Trust me. I have these thoughts all the time. I go, where'd that come from? I thought I, had, I, thought that was, uh, I, thought I, didn't, I dealt with that. I thought I didn't think like that. No, it's every person. When you hear it come out or you see it act a certain way, you got to look inward and go, man, 
According to what Jesus is saying here, if that's what I'm seeing, if that's what I'm hearing, it came from a core of who I am or something that's in there. It doesn't mean your whole heart is bad, but there's something that was in there that hadn't been dealt with just yet. So he said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands, no, that does not defile a person. So when we see a person's exterior life, we are learning about their interior life because their interior life is what produced every word, every action, every thought. It came from the heart. It came from the seat of a person. How does the heart become good or defiled? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Solomon is writing to his sons, Proverbs 4.20, he says, My son, be attentive to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep them within your heart. So Solomon gives us a little bit of revelation. And remember, the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we're getting a, we're getting a clue here to what's going on because we're going to see what's connected to the heart. Notice his last statement. He says, keep them within your heart. How? How's he telling him to keep them within your heart? Two ways. Incline your ear and keep them before your sight. So what we learn from that is that our, our eyes and our ears are the window to our soul. You ever heard that before? That's not actually a, a scripture. There are scriptures that, that indicate that that is true and imply that, but that actual phrase is not a scripture. But it's true. Your eyes and your ears are the window, or you could say the portal, to your, to your soul. So how, does, how do things get in your heart? Because you, you come in this world pretty much a blank slate, right? I mean, when I, when I see a newborn infant, just beautiful, is there anything more picture of just pure and, and innocent and almost holy in a way? And, uh, you know, give it about three weeks or four, it's like they already started picking up problems. Like, where'd that come from? You're already, you know, crying, throwing fits, anger. I've seen some little baby's face just red, so red, their whole head's about to pop. Just anger, mad, you know, like you came in saved and you already turned into a demon. What happened, you know? But... We find out that the eyes and the ears are the portal to the soul. I'm kidding about the kids. Actually, the Bible tells us that they are born into sin. That's, it doesn't take long to manifest. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you might think I don't like my kids. I love my kids, okay? I just, it's been a lot of work, as you know, if you have one. But the eyes and the ear are the portal to the soul. It's, it's, it's so it, if you just think about the gospel, how does it work? You hear it, you hear the gospel, or it's preached, you could say somebody's preaching it. It's heard with our ears, and as it's heard with our ears, it gets into our heart, and that seed that's planted in our heart is where all transformation comes from. That's how powerful it is. The most powerful thing on the planet, salvation, being born again, comes just from hearing something. And when we hear it in our heart, faith rises, and it's that faith that transforms our life and heart. Well, Satan knows this principle, and he puts it to work. He puts it to work. We'll get to that in a minute. Solomon said, be attentive to my words and incline your ear 
to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Why? For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Wow, what a revelation. So he, he's explaining here this same thing Jesus was saying. He said everything comes out of the heart. It's the issues of life. They all flow out. Uh, every, everything you see in a person's life, good, bad, ugly, dysfunction, uh, positive things, it all is the outflow of what's going on in here. And he says because that is true, you have to guard your ears and your eyes because they're going to determine what gets into your, into your heart. So just let's take the worship center as an example. Let's imagine that the, the worship center is the heart, so to speak. And, of course, we're not talking about the blood pump. Heart in Scripture is synonymous for spirit. It's the spirit of man. It's the core of, of who you are. It's the part of you that's eternal, that's never going to die. Even when your body dies, your spirit is leaving and is going one place or another. That's what he's talking about here. But just imagine the worship center is the heart. And in the back, we've got two big doors. One, we're going to say, are the eyes, and the other one is the ears. And these other two doors, exit-only doors, that's your, that's your mouth and your actions. So everything that came in, just for our example, everything that came into the heart, into this room, came in through one of those two doors in the back. It either came in through the eyes or it came in through the ears, and now it's in here. And if somebody was standing on the outside of one of these two doors, and they said, well, what's in there? What's in that room? And, and things begin to filter out, you begin to filter out, they would find out what was in this room by what is coming out of these two doors. And that's the example Jesus is trying to give us. He's saying, there's nothing in here that wasn't put in there, and there's nothing coming out that wasn't put in there. So, so he says, if you want to protect what's coming out of these two doors, then you have to guard the front two doors and make sure that nothing ever gets in that's not supposed to be in. So for this Example, what, when he says guard your heart, what he's envisioning is putting two soldiers, two sentries at either door, eyes and ears, and saying protect and guard what comes in because whatever comes in here is going to end up going out there. And he says, so you guard it. How do you guard your heart? You guard your eyes and your ears. And you don't let anything in through your eyes and you don't let anything in through your ears that's going to corrupt or damage your heart. A lot of people... Uh, you talk to sometimes, I talk to Christians and, you know, you talk about things like this and they say, oh, you know, yeah, we watch this, we listen to this, you know, we go here, we go there, all that, that, that stuff doesn't affect me. Listen, you are kidding yourself and you are deceiving yourself and you are playing right into the enemy's hand. Everything that you hear affects you. If it weren't true, this sermon is worthless. Because everything that you hear affects you, including truth, including God's word. But listen, what you watch, and we live in a generation, I know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, we got it all out there, and we just turn it on, don't think twice about it. But I'm going to tell you something. Christians have not prepared themselves where, well for the changes that we've seen in our society. You know, back in the day, and this is not a sermon about TV or against TV, okay? I'm just talking about guarding your eyes and ears. But back in the day, I had a... a square box TV with bunny ears in my room, you know, in my bedroom, and there was like three channels. And so I grew up watching Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, 
I was like 10. I love those shows. I, well, I never missed Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. You know, maybe I remember the Atlanta Braves used to play. I'd watch the Atlanta Braves. My parents didn't have to worry about me. It was like three channels, and they were you could barely see them anyway. They were half staticky, you know, and you'd move the bunny ears around. I wouldn't put a TV in my kid's bedroom today for my life, not with cable TV, because you can't watch one commercial. Tell me if I'm right. You can't watch barely one commercial without some form of immorality being shoved down their throats 24-7. And many have not adjusted. Many have not adjusted. They're, they're living like it's 1980, 1970. The world has changed so much. They did a, they did a study that ana- they actually regularly do studies that analyze just one element, how much sexuality is in, in TV through the decades. And they looked at the, what they call the family hour, which is 6 to 8 p.m. on just the major cable networks, you know, NBC, ABC, things like that. So in what's supposed to be the, the safest time slot, family hour, they call it 6 to 8, in 2020, finding out that 80% of all content has some form of sexuality in it. That's just the place that we're at now. And like in my home... When we watch TV, we, we pretty much watch everything on DVR. Everything is already pre-recorded, and we just fast forward through the commercials because the commercials at this point, I I, I can't even let my kids watch the commercial because if it if it's not something sinful, then it's some form of indoctrination constantly, some sort of lie, some sort of something that's against my values or the way I think, constantly, twenty four. Seven. Why would that be? Because Satan knows exactly what we're talking about this morning, that the eyes and the ears are the windows and the portal to a person's heart. And he's, he's actually, in a lot of ways, won that arena. And in a lot of ways, television media has been so corrupted and hijacked, in a lot of ways, Satan has won that battle. And if you just let your TV play, or you, let, you give them an iPad, and they're just you know, hitting Netflix, or you're doing that, you're doing that. It's going to affect what's going on in here. And if you don't think it is, you're living a lie. Because it's a biblical principle. Let me read it to you again. Incline your ear to my sayings. Listen, let them not escape your sight. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Why? Because out of it flow the springs of life. Well, what if, you, what if the only thing your eyes and your ears are seeing is sin, immorality, lies, and deception? I mean, if, if truth and the Word of God can impact your heart, what do you think about lies, deception, immorality, sin, sexuality, constantly being seen? I mean, it, 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 you don't have to, I mean, if you can't see that and you don't understand that, I mean, your head is in the sand. We know this. We see this all around us happening. But I hear it all the time from Christians. They say, oh, you know, that stuff doesn't bother me. That stuff doesn't bother me. You know, it, it doesn't have any effect on me. Listen, it's searing your conscience and it's grieving the Holy Spirit. It does affect you. And by the way, I don't think you can always know exactly what effect it's having on you. Because that's the way the heart works. You see, the, the eyes and the ears, come, it comes in through one end and it, it affects the heart. And then you get a result on the output side. And sometimes you don't make the connection between the output and the input. I have a friend right now 
that's doing what they call an elimination diet. Any of you ever had to do that before? You got something going on in your body, something going on in your you know, digestion, some, some bad effect. You can't figure out where it's coming from. And so they put you on elimination diet and they say, all right, we're just going to cut out everything because we don't know what's causing it. We're going to cut out dairy. We're going to cut out coffee. We're going to cut out carbs. We're just going to cut out everything. And then we're going to slowly add it back one at a time. And we're going to find out where that was coming from. It's not that simple, is it? I mean, sometimes it takes time. So the elimination diet, the idea is by adding one thing back at a time, you eventually find out what was the source of your problem. It, that, that's one of the benefits of uh, fasting. Too. When we do our fast at the beginning of the year, take 21 days, we cut all kind of stuff out all the time. I hear people say, man, I feel better than I've ever felt because I cut, we cut out TV, we cut out social media, we cut out video games, we cut out Netflix, and for three weeks, man, we were just we were playing board games as a family, we were reading, we were, we were talking, we were you know, taking trips, spending time together, and you know, all these problems started disappearing. Yeah, because you didn't know what was causing those problems. And you had this mentality, oh, it ain't really hurt nothing, it ain't really that bad, except it was. It was. And you find out when you cut it out how clear you start thinking, how, how clear your conscience is, how healthy you start to feel spiritually when you cut out a few things and you got your prayer life and your Bible reading right. So no, it does affect us. And this is a spiritual principle that in order to protect our heart, we have to protect our eyes in our ears. It matters what we see. It matters what we hear. Let me ask you this. How many of you in this room saw something at one time, maybe when you were a kid, maybe when you were a teenager, you saw something on TV, you saw something in a magazine, you saw something on the internet that you have never forgotten to this day? I've heard a lot of things in my lifetime I wish I'd never heard. Sometimes just Sometimes just news articles. Sometimes I've read news articles about something that happened to somebody somewhere in the world, and I'm like, to this day, I can't th stop thinking about that. Like, man, that, that poor kid, or this happened, or words are powerful. Images are powerful. What you see, and I talk to people, I, sometimes in my office, I talk to people, people that saw things, experienced things with their eyes and their ears when they were young that they have not gotten over to this day 30, 40 years later. It's very powerful what we see and what we hear. So as parents, if we're going to protect our children's heart, then practically we're going to have to protect their eyes and their ears. And we know this as parents, which is why you ever been out in public and somebody starts talking about something and you see parents reach over and plug their kids' ears? <laughs> you can't hear that. Sometimes you're at home, one of those spouses start talking, you just plug, you know, daddy, daddy's working outside on the porch and plug the ears, you know, yeah. Yeah, why? Because we know. We say things like, well, you're too young to hear that. What does that even mean? What does that even mean, you're too young to hear that? Oh, you're too young to see that. Yeah, because we, this is what we understand. They're innocent, they're pure, and we're not quite ready for you to get corrupted just yet. We want you to keep that innocence and that purity as long as possible. So we cover your eyes and we plug your ears because we want you to keep that purity and that innocence because we know it instinctively. We know that the eyes and the ears corrupt the heart. But it also makes a healthy heart as well. What they see and what they hear. If kids are hearing affirmation, if they're hearing love from their parents, if they're hearing encouraging, if they're hearing positive things, you can do it. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You, you, can, you have what it takes to live holy and live right. You have a plan of God on your life. You're called by God. 
God loves you. He has a plan for your life. When they hear things like that, when they see two parents that love each other, forgive one another, live selflessly, guess what? That changes the heart too. That changes the heart also. So if you want to guard your children's heart, if you want them to have a healthy heart, you must start with guarding their eyes and their ears. Where are their eyes and ears most under assault today? Let's just look at a few areas. I've spent a lot of time on all of these things in other sermons. By the way, if this is a topic that is helping you, that interests you, we have so much material on our website. All you have to do is make yourself available to it. But it's, it's all on our website, on our, uh, on our, on our website, onelifechurchalexandria.com. But we have sermon series. We have Family Matters 1, original of this series, we have another series called Parents, Man Your Post, and I encourage that for every, for every parent to, to hear that. You can go back and listen to these things, and I've, I've dived deep into all of these subjects before, but we're not going to do it this morning because, again, I've, I've done it before and it's there. But where are their eyes and ears most under assault? Well, we already mentioned TV and entertainment. What about the Internet? What about social media? Also, I would say their friends, people that they're around all day, every day at, at school, in the public school system. And we could spend time on each one of these areas and talking about how it is affecting a child and th- give the statistics and the data of how it is affecting them. But here's the bottom line about all of these issues, TV, Internet, entertainment, social media, friends. Here's, here's the bottom line you need to keep in mind. What we have is corrupted hearts creating content. In other words, we have hearts that have been corrupted, and so out of their heart is coming content, movies, things they're posting on the Internet. Jesus said it this way, it's the blind leading the blind. But since we understand this process of a corrupted heart, what do you think just about every single movie, TV show that's created is. It's an outflow of someone else's heart. Somebody took the time to write that. All writing comes from the heart. All speech comes out of someone's heart. So a corrupted heart, and Jesus would have told us this later, he said you can't have good fruit coming out of a bad heart. He said if the tree is is rotten, the fruit is going to be rotten. So almost all entertainment that we have created comes out of a corrupted heart. Well, when corrupted fruit comes out of a corrupted heart and other people consume it, it corrupts them. So you have corrupting a corrupted heart creating corrupted content. And our TV, the internet, social media is, is filled with it. Now, am I telling you not to watch TV, not to be on the internet, not to have social media? No, absolutely not. Uh, No no different than if I was standing up here talking to you about the dangers and giving you all the statistics about firearms. Am I I telling you not to own a firearm? Of course not. But I would say this, don't dare own a firearm until you understand how lethal it can be. Don't dare own a firearm until you understand how to use it or you might end up killing yourself. It's the same thing with these things. We've looked at them, and I think that's part of the strategy of the enemy, is we've looked at them as if they're benign. But actually, they're not. They're poison. And they're used to poison our kids' minds and hearts. And until you know that and until you understand that, you can't begin to protect them through it and with it. 
And this is the thing that when they talk to uh, the people that create this content, you know, because even Congress gets involved in these things, and they say, man, there's too much uh, immorality, too much violence, too much things on TV. You know, we need to do something about it. And this is where they always come back to is, well, that's parents' job to protect them from that. We're creating this content for adults, and it's the parents' jobs to make sure that the kids don't see it. Well, there's truth in that. But we're getting to a point where uh, it's so around. How does a parent even begin to protect from all that is out there now? There's a lot of it out there. We could talk about the Internet, the, the filth of the Internet and things that, that go so far. We could talk about social media. There's so many statistics and, and information about the damaging effects of social media for kids. It's not helpful. It's not healthy. As we, could, as we keep going about 10 years from now, we're going to find out how bad it was. You know, back in the day, uh, doctors would recommend cigarettes, you know, to help stress, help relieve stress because they just didn't know everything. And eventually they came around and realized that was the stupidest thing ever. I was killing people. And it's the same thing with social media. It's not, it is not helpful. It is one of the worst things for humanity. I, and I'm not, I'm not like this just total anti-social media person. I'm just saying until you know that, until you know the, the damaging effects of it, until you know what it can do, then you're not using it responsibly. You have to at least educate yourself. Then you can use it responsibly. And you can let your kids use it responsibly once you educate yourself on the dangers of it. But many don't. They just turn it over with no boundaries, no, no accountability, and it's not helpful. We could talk about their, their friends and the friends they hang around. Uh, the people that are influencing them. And the Bible's very clear on this. It says that bad company corrupts good character. And when you have a good child that is around a child whose heart has been corrupted, it will rub off on them. And as parents, we have to be mindful of that. In a lot of ways, the landscape, the media landscape of our culture right now is just one big machine of the kingdom of darkness in a lot of ways. And if we're just letting our kids plug out 24-7 on these things, their, their eyes and their ears are being filled with it constantly. And then we wonder, and then we wonder why they're acting a certain way, why they're talking a certain way, why we see certain behaviors in their life. While for years they'll do things in secret that we never knew about, then we find out, well, what happened? Somewhere along the way, the heart got corrupted. Somewhere along the way, the heart got corrupted. This is a statement uh, from Joseph Goebbels, if I'm saying it correctly. He was the man in charge of propaganda for Nazi Germany. And this is what he said. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. People will believe a big lie sooner than a little one. And if you repeat it frequently enough, people will sooner or later believe it. And that was... And actually, this is taking an excerpt from a whole thing that he wrote. And, and when you read it, he's talking about a strategy for deceiving an entire people group. And we see that happening right now in our nation. There are lies and messages that are being pushed in entertainment, social media, TV, that are, that are being pushed. And when they were first heard... They were so ludicrous, so insane. Things about, you know, a, a man being a woman, woman being a man. Uh, things that when you first hear, you go, this is insane. This is against science. This is against biology. But the longer it's pushed 
And the longer it's said, the more the lie is promulgated. And, and the bigger the lie it is, he said, the sooner they'll believe it. The more it's pushed, the more it's said. It's repeated often over, often over. Every commercial, every TV show, you know, these agendas about gender, sexuality, homosexuality, is pushed, pushed over and over and over. Then before you know it, half the country's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, to- tolerance of that, acceptance of that is a good thing. And all of a sudden... The people that say, no, that's wrong, are now looked at as evil. And the people that say, wait a minute, we're not, no, we're, our eyes are wide open here. We're, we haven't bought into that lie. That is not a good thing. That is not healthy. Now, though that small group is looked at as you are evil. You are sinful. You are bad. You are a bigot. You are hateful. That's how this, this whole thing flips. Well, what is the primary force that drives that? TV. Internet entertainment, culture. And again, am I up here saying don't do these things? No. No, I'm not. We, we watch TV. We have internet at our house. All of that. But we heavily, are heavily involved in what our kids see and what they watch. Sometimes it requires my wife and I to watch a movie before we let our kids watch it. A lot of times you can get online and look it up first. You can find out all that's in it. But if our kids really want to see something, and we don't know what's in it. It takes time, but we'll watch it first. Why? Because I don't want my kids walking around all the time. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And they just have this mirror. I want them to do as much as you possibly can do. But I'm going to have to. That means my work is going to be cut out for me to make sure that this is safe and that this message is right. Why? Because now they got it in Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> they ruined Buzz Lightyear. You can't take your kids to see Buzz Lightyear. And listen, if you haven't done this already, I challenge you to do it. I mean, it, it, if you haven't done this, you're, you're behind the eight ball a little bit. But you need to go research and listen to the people that's creating this content and find out their agenda. Find out their purpose. Because, what is it, Pixar, DreamWorks, whoever created Buzz Lightyear, I don't remember now. They, they have writers, they have producers, they have people that, I think it was the, uh, the CEO of of uh, Pixar, DreamWorks, whichever one, I can't remember, that said, it's our goal by the end of, they gave a certain date, you know, maybe, maybe five years, ten years, to have a LGBTQ character in every single show that we create. And so it's an agenda, but it's just they, they're moving slow. They're moving at the pace of the, whatever the culture will accept. And my kids, you know, they love certain shows and things like that, but we've already started telling them, look, I don't know how long you'll be able to watch this. We'll watch it as long as we can, but everything is changing so much. And if you don't pay attention, what will happen is your child, their moral compass will be eroded. And they, they will have bought into the lies of the culture. And just like the culture goes, oh, that's okay. No, that's good. That, I know God says that's evil, but we look at it and we say, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and we should tolerate that. We should be accepting of that. Your child will be swept right up into that. Your child will be swept right up into that because you did not guard their eyes and their ears and it got to their heart through these avenues. And their heart will be corrupted and they'll be just like one in the culture. But you know what, I, I, what I'm praying for is that we raise up a generation of men and women of God that have a strong moral compass. That, that they are some of the ones that are, that are spreading light that dispels the darkness. But in order to do that, they have to know and they have to have truth so ingrained in them. They have to have a moral compass that when they see a lie, they go, that ain't right. 
That ain't what the Bible says. And here, here's why that's wrong. And they can say it clearly. The world needs that right now. As a matter of fact, in our world right now, there's lots of people that know the truth and they're just silent about it because it's too uncomfortable to talk about. And all that does is perpetuate the darkness even further. There are doctors, psychologists, medical professionals, that sh- pastors that should be saying certain things that they're not saying. And because of it, the darkness just continues to spread. But you're not responsible for that. You're responsible for your kids. And you're responsible for your family. So, the Bible gives us certain strategies that help with this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Man, if you just knew this one verse right here, it it would really set you along the way for building a strong moral compass. Romans 12, 1. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's such a simple verse. It's not, it's not a big, you know, long passage. But there's so much truth in that one little verse. This is what he says. Do not be conformed to this world. Okay? The world has a culture, way of thinking that it's going. And what I'm telling you as believers is don't, if you go on cruise control, you're just going to conform to that. Before you know, if you just listen to what they listen to, watch what they watch, you're going to think just like them. He says, do not be conformed to this world. But there's something else you can do. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right now, this morning, you are experiencing mind renewal. Why? Because we're reading the Word of God. The Word of God is going forth. It's taking old mindsets. Hopefully, as you're hearing the Word, you're hearing some of those old mindsets where you think, well, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. Then you hear the Word of God on it. You go, well, maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe I need to change this. Maybe I need to adapt this. Maybe I need to create this boundary. Maybe I need to make this little adjustment. Mind renewal. When I meet with married couples, one of the first things I do to help their marriage, one of the first things I do is I have certain podcasts that I have them listen to. They're 15-minute podcasts. Just listen to them every day. Every day. It's not even about the podcast necessarily. It's not even about the, the content of the podcast. But by listening to a podcast on marriage, 15 minutes every day, mind renewal begins to happen. Before long, your mind starts changing about what is love, what is a wife, what is a husband, about how to love, how to live selflessly, how to forgive. And it's just your mind is on it. It would work with anything. If you showed up to me and you said, oh, Pastor Josh, I just hate cooking. You know, I don't like to cook, and and I want to get better at cooking. And I put you on a podcast by some chef that was talking about recipes and cooking and and these types of pots and pans and these little things you could do, and you just started listening to that podcast every day for 15 minutes, man, you'd be a chef by the end of the month. Just You'd be so excited thinking, reading about it. Why? Because what we think about, what we meditate on transforms us. This is a biblical principle. What you, this is why meditation is talked about so often in Scripture. He says, I meditate on your word. In the, in the night watches, when I rise early, I meditate on your word. It's constantly on my mind. It's constantly on my mouth. Why? Because what you meditate on transforms you. And if all you're meditating on is Netflix, if all you're net meditating on is Internet, YouTube, social media, guess what? Your mind is being renewed, but in the wrong direction. This process is at work in your life right now. This process of mind renewal and transformation is at work in your life right now. It just depends on what direction is it sending you. 
if you watch, if you watch shows, and, and I've seen this, again, as a pastor, I've seen this so many times. You watch TV shows where people are having illicit affairs, and those thoughts begin to get in your mind, and you've been faithful to your spouse your whole marriage, and those thoughts begin to get in your mind, and you meditate, and you think, and you see that, and it's glamorized. Don't be surprised if before long you start having problems in that area. Why? Because you're renewing your mind. You go, oh, that stuff doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because the Bible is true, and it works. This process works. But here's what Satan does. He knows it works, so he puts it to work for him. And his goal is to get you thinking on and, and renewing your mind on certain things that you have no business thinking about. Even psychology, understand this, they call it positive thinking. But they didn't even know they just got it from the Scripture. Well, you got to get rid of those negative thoughts. you got to replace them with positive thoughts. Well, that's true. But I would say it this way. you got to get rid of any thoughts that contradict the Word of God, and you got to start renewing your mind with the Word of God, with truth that lines up with the Word of God. And that will transform you. You can take any person in whatever state they are in, however bad off they are, and you start re renewing their mind every day with the Word of God on that topic that they're hurting in or that area that they're broken in, you start renewing their mind every day in that area. If they'll do the work, because I can't do it for them, and that's the hard part is getting them to do the work. But if you take a person that will, again, they'll get scriptures, they'll get the podcast, and they'll start listening every day on that topic, you watch how the Word of God goes to work, and this transformation begins to happen in their life. Why? Because, again... The eyes and the ears are the window to the soul. And when you see the word and you listen to the word, or even sermons that are biblically based, it will begin to transform your mind and your heart. When you read a book that has the biblical truth in it, it will transform your mind and your heart. It may not happen the first time you did it. That's why I called mind renewal. It's over and over and over and over again. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law, God told Joshua this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Why would God say that? Why would God tell Joshua? He said, I just wrote this, this book of the law. He says, don't let it depart from your mouth. He said, you need to actually speak it and say it. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that, for, in other words, for a purpose, by saying it, and by meditating on it day and night, there's going to be a particular result. And this is what he's saying here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that, in order that, you may be careful to do according to all that is written. It's very simple. He says when you, when you meditate on it day and night, when you speak the word of God and you think about the word of God, you're going to end up doing the word of God. You're going to end up obeying the word of God. So he said, I want you to meditate on it day and night. Then it'll lead to you being careful to do according to all that is written. In it, and then that will lead to something. So he says you're going to meditate on it. That's going to lead to you obeying it. And you obeying it is going to lead to something. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. But where does it start? Eyes and ears. He said let your eyes and ears meditate on the word of God. That's going to lead to you obeying the Word of God. And by obeying the Word of God, your way will be made prosperous and you will have good success. If you want your children to be prosperous and have good success, then let's work this thing backward and go, well, if they're going to be prosperous and good success, they're going to have to follow the Word of God. 
And if they're going to follow the Word of God, they're going to have to hear the Word of God and see the Word of God and meditate on the Word of God. In other words, their mind is going to have to be renewed with the Word of God. And you go, well, I bring them to church. Well, church is 45, let's say the sermon part, 30 to 45 minutes out of a week with lots of hours. I don't know how many is in a week. Some of you already know, but it's a lot. And it's good. I'm glad you got you know 30 minutes. That's wonderful. But he, that's not what he's talking about here. Let, let me read it to you again. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That means it ought to be there all the time. You shall meditate it on it day and night. And you go, well, I don't have time to do it. Well, you, let me tell you, you'd have a lot more time to do it if you cut out some other worthless things in your life. A long time ago, I remember I used to drive down the road and... I used to listen to the talk radio and things like that. And I realized, man, this is mind renewal. It was making me mad, making me angry. I said, I'm going to replace it. So I started driving, listening to podcasts, just putting the Bible on my phone, just putting the Bible on, just listening to the Word of God. Man, I'd show up at home so happy, full of peace, full of joy, because I've been renewing my mind. Well, what happens if you got a 15-minute drive to work every day to and from, and you choose to renew your mind with those 15 minutes, actually 30 minutes there and back, if you choose to renew your mind there and back every single day, let me tell you something, that would be more powerful in your life than coming to church, honestly. I, I want you to come to church. But what you do at home and what you do every day, what your habits are every day, are actually way more powerful than this, one, this hour and a half that we have together. And same thing for a child. You want to change behavior? Switch the inputs. What are they listening to? What are they seeing? What are they hearing that is changing their heart? And if you want to change their heart, switch the inputs. Part of those inputs can be the voice of a father or mother that has this right already. Because I believe if you're, if you're a godly man or woman that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you have the wisdom of God on the inside of you... Just sitting down talking to your kids, just, just your mouth of love and wisdom can impact them. Don't ever think that that's ineffective. I don't care if they roll their eyes and, oh, I've heard this before. It's mind renewal over and over and over again. I don't care if you heard it before. You obviously didn't get it because you did it again and you hadn't changed, so you're going to hear it again. You want me to stop talking? Change the behavior because you're going to hear it until I see the change that I want to see in you. And that takes commitment. That takes being plugged in. And that takes not being a hypocrite and telling them to do something that you're not doing. We've got to understand these principles for our own self, not just for our kids. Let me give you one more scripture. Then we're going to be done this morning. Psalm 1-4. Blessed is the man. Everybody say Blessed. This is the Bible word for whole, complete, walking in God's favor. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let me tell you, all the things we've talked about, TV, internet, social media, full of the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, the seat of scoffers. It's filled with it. And this is what he said, blessed is the man who does not inundate himself with that but instead his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night what is he like well verse 3 he's like a tree planted by streams of water 
that yield its fruit in season, and its leaves does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So you see this process over and over and over and over again. I love this. I love this chapter, Psalm 1. Because he tells us so simple. He, said, he compares two ways. He says, you can, you can inundate yourself with the way of the sinner. Or you can, you can meditate on God's law day and night. And he says, both will have an effect. But, but the one who meditates day and night, he'll be like a tree that's planted by, water, by the water. And it won't matter whether it's drought, whether it's dry. His roots go down deep. He'll not be affected. Doesn't matter how bad the culture is. Doesn't matter how dark things have got. Doesn't matter how sinful things have gotten. He'll be like a tree planted by the water. How many of you want that for your kids? That's what I want for my kids. Well, he says there's a process to it. One of the things I wanted to mention to you, on each of these areas we've mentioned, okay, TV, internet, social media, all of that, please educate yourself. It, it, it doesn't take long to just Google it and find out what, what's being said. What effect does this have on kids? I mean, I've, I've told you if you've been coming to this church, but I, I can't every time I get up here re-explain that. It, take time. If you're a parent, this is your responsibility. Before you put a phone in their hand, before you let them sign up for social media, before you let them just get on the internet, please look this up. Just, just Google it. Take, take the time to look and see what are the effects of this on kids. Of course, you've got to pay attention to what you read, what you study, because half of it's coming from people that aren't even saved anyway. But if you really dig and you really find, there's, there's research, there's reports out there about what this is doing to kids, and it's not helping. And I encourage you to go look that up for yourself. I want to mention this, too. One of the services that we use as a family, and I, again, I've told you this before, but I'll, I know everybody's not um, always here, but we use a service called VidAngel, V-I-D Angel, vidangel.com. And it's an app that all other streaming services are filtered through. So Amazon, Netflix, whatever like that. And VidAngel, you can, you know, you, when you uh, watch stuff on Netflix, Amazon, or you rent movies, it has um, filters that you could take out anything in the movie that you want. It'll take out language, it'll take out sexuality, it could take out violence, it'll take out anything in the. It's not every single movie that's on there, but they have most, most movies and a lot of old movies and a lot of new releases, things like that. And, and we did that for our kids because we didn't want to constantly be telling our kids, oh, you can't watch that. Oh, no, we can't see that. We can't watch that. But with this, they can watch a lot of stuff they would have never been able to watch because we can go through and set those filters. It's like $12 a month, which, you know, in the scheme of it, in order to protect their eyes and ears, uh, it matters. And I'm going to tell you something. Jen and I use it. It doesn't matter. It's not just for the kids. It, it's, this is, these, are, these are things that are true for adults as well. So don't just make it like, oh, well, they're kids. They can't hear that. Listen, if you're serious about God, you don't need to hear it. It's affecting you too. And you don't need to see it. So as Christians, this ought to matter to us. And if we've got to pay a little bit, you know, because we enjoy watching stuff time to time, well, that's a, that's a small price to pay. And what I'm saying is there are things out there. The answer is not always just, no, you can't do that. Sometimes there are solutions. Sometimes there are ways around it. And, and anytime we, try, we take anything from our kids, we try to replace it with something else, positive, maybe even better than what we had to take. Because we don't want them to be raised in a home that was always just no, 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 no. No, I believe living for God is fun. I believe living right is fun. I believe we should be having more fun than the world's having. 
And we can do that. It's, sometimes it takes a little bit of creativity and a little bit of wisdom. 